7, 11th chapter, verse 17, it says, um, and this is going to be a strange text for some of you who've never heard this, but I'm going to try to make sense of it as best I can. If I don't, I'm just going to turn it over to Brandon and he'll close the message out. Romans 11, chapter, verse 17. But if some of the branches were broken off, and you, although a wild olive, say wild olive, were grafted in among the others and now share in the nourishing root of the olive tree, do not be arrogant towards the branches. If you are, remember it is not you who support the root, but the root that supports you. Then you will say, branches were broken off so that I might be grafted in. That is true. They were broken off because of their unbelief. But you stand. Someone say, I stand. You stand fast through faith. So do not become proud. Uh, <laughs> older people used to say, you're smelling yourself. Don't become proud, but fear. For if God did not spare the natural branches, neither will he spare you. Note then the kindness and the severity of God. Severity toward those who have fallen, but God's kindness to you. Provided you continue in his kindness, otherwise you too will be cut off. And even they, if they do not continue in their unbelief, will be grafted. For God has the power to graft them in again. For if you were cut from what is by nature a wild olive, someone say wild olive, and grafted contrary to nature into a cultivated olive tree, how much more will these, the natural branches, be grafted back into their olive tree? told you it was a strange text, and I'm going to try to make it make sense. My wife has a way of ministering, and when she ministers, she ministers in 15 minutes and does everything. Takes me 40 minutes, and y'all still don't get it. <laughs> so I'm going to try to, be, try to, try to make, make it make sense to you all. It's a complex scripture. Uh, but I want to talk about in this second week of the series called Belong. We've been on this Belong. I want to make sure you belong. In this second week, I want to talk from the topic, A Place for Wild things. A place for wild things. Will you stand with me while we pray? Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that it gives life and gives life always. And thank you for who you are and thank you for what you've been. Thank you for your presence. I pray, Lord, that you move me out of the way. As the old preachers used to say, hide me behind the cross so that no one will ever see me will hear what you're saying. I honor you. I am your servant what you're saying. Let me deliver it according to what you said. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Someone say, wild things. Yeah. If I were to do a show of hands all around the room and ask how many of you have read this scripture, a lot of times many people have not necessarily read this scripture, unless you're just someone who is on a journey through the whole book of Romans or the book of or the New Testament uh, part of the Bible, if you've read that, but most people oftentimes skate over certain things, and sometimes we skate over them because of our lack of understanding. It's not that we don't want to read it, it's just that we don't understand it. 
such is the reading of this particular scripture as I read it to you. Many of you found it um, in metaphor or in illustration, as is this text, that it's hard to understand and explain. And it is my job as a teacher of the word uh, to teach you in a way that you leave here understanding this text in a better way. Now, I do want to make a disclaimer, as I'm trying to make disclaimers more in my message, that if by chance the teacher turns into the preacher, it's just because the word got good to me. If by chance my voice elevates, it's not because I'm trying to holler at you. I'm, I'm hollering because I was a wild olive. So if by chance you get offended by the level of my voice, please don't go to a football game anytime soon because it's a little bit louder than my voice. Uh, Paul, as he writes this particular chapter or this book, Paul is the author of this book, and uh, Paul writes this book from a standpoint of um, our stance in God, our relationship with God, our rightness in God, our righteousness because of God, our justification because of God, and what we do because of that relationship. I believe Paul writes this particular uh, book and this particular chapter with the reflection of his own life, that he's thinking about who he was. Those of you who might remember Paul, in the book of Acts, we find that Paul's name that many of you know him by is Saul. Saul was one who we find out who came on the scene when a guy named Stephen, who was a deacon in the church, um, had gotten stoned just for being a believer. Stephen got stoned. Stephen got stoned, we find in scripture it says that Stephen looked up to heaven while he was being stoned. In the middle of his last breath, and it says that he saw the Son of God on the right hand of his Father. Stand up. You know you have really done something when God stands up from where he is and looks down in applause or looks down in pleasure. We find the scripture that after Stephen had been stoned, that a guy named Saul was watching all this happen. Saul wanted to persecute the church, and Saul wanted to be one. He was threatened. He was one who they were threatened by because everywhere he went, he was killing believers that were at that time not called believers, but they were called followers of the way. The way meaning Jesus over in John talks about Jesus said, I am the truth, I am the light, I am the way, I am the way, the truth, and the life. They were not walking around saying they were Christians, or they were not, uh, one scripture over in Acts says, they were not called Christians until they were in a certain spot, but they were called followers of the way. And it was not popular to be a follower of the way because their way had just been crucified and it had been reported that he had gotten up, resurrected, and they were still walking around saying they were a follower of the way. So Saul was going around everywhere he could to be able to kill and destroy everyone who was talking that talk. But while he was on a road called Damascus, while he was on a road and he was on a way to kill some other people, it says that a light shone from heaven. And when the light shone from heaven, there came a voice from heaven that said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting the church? Why are you kicking against what I'm doing? 
And it says he sent them to a guy named Ananias' house. And when he went to his house, Saul was blind. But when he got to this, he was blinded by that light. But when he got there, a guy that he would have never been in relation with, a Gentile, someone he would have never had conversation with, he went there, and this man had what he needed to restore his sight. You have to be careful of looking over people that you would not normally do business with. Because sometimes the people you look over might be the people that you need at some point. So he got there, and he, after he uh, got restored, his eyesight got restored, it says that then he started to become a believer, and he started to preach the gospel. And people who saw Saul, when they, people who saw Saul, people who saw him, every time they saw him, they said to him, they said, weren't you one of those who were trying to kill us at one point? We don't want to hear you. You're a threat. He said, oh, I once was, but he changed me. Uh, now the one who uh, the one who didn't want to be a part of it is now a part of it. The one who said it doesn't take all of that now is saying it takes all of that. The one who said I would never be a, a joined with that is now joined to that. I don't know if you're like that. If you, people look at you and they look at your life and they remember where you were and what you used to be, and now they're looking at you and saying, I wonder how long this is going to last, and I wonder how long you'll continue to profess that. I was one of those ones that even though I was in church and even though I was raised in church the preacher's child, I was one of the ones who was a professing Christian, but I was not always a living one. And these people were looking at Paul, and they were saying, aren't you, I mean, you, I mean, whatever, and finally, after time, I've learned in time, this is what I've learned in my 41 years, I have learned that over time, your works will speak for you. You don't ever have to defend yourself. You don't have to clap back. You don't have to make subliminal messages on Facebook. You don't have to do all this stuff. Over time, what is true will always speak for itself. I don't know who that's for and who needs to know that. You don't have to defend yourself. You don't have to take anybody out to eat and try to show them you've changed. You don't have to do that. Let your life speak for itself. You just don't have to say anything. Just, just someone say, let, me, let my life speak. Someone say that. Let my life speak. So... I came to this particular scripture, um, not that I was looking for it. I came to this scripture because I was convicted by this scripture this week. Uh, sometimes I find scriptures and sometimes scriptures find me. I don't know if anybody's like that. Uh, where I didn't find it, it was looking for me. I was at a particular establishment this week and um, I was at a business and I was uh, doing some business. I don't want to tell you where I was, you can figure it out. I was doing some business at a particular establishment. And I usually go to this particular person at this particular business. I speak in parables. And doing this particular business, and I usually go there, well, the particular person that I do business with, it sounds like if you pick a pick a prep person, didn't it? <laughs> the person I usually do business with uh, had been out for a few weeks. Um, so I had scheduled done business with the other person because they were equally as good as this person I do business with. Well, uh, I found out this week when I scheduled my normal business appointment that the person was back. Didn't know until I walked in the door. When I walked in the door, the person said, oh, so you chose somebody else while I was gone. I said, no, I didn't know you was back. He said, you could check the app and found out. I said, I didn't know you was back. He said, oh, people aren't loyal in these days. I said, huh? Hold on. I just didn't know you was back. Well, it was cool if you would have stopped there, but just kept going. People just kept going. Uh, for those of you who know me, it takes a lot for me to come back at you. I'm, I'm not like that. I'm not like some of y'all. Some of y'all are pit bulls. You just can't wait to bite somebody. I'm not like that. I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Labrador retriever. 
This particular day, though, uh, the person kept going and going and going. It was fine. I was cool. Got my business done. Then someone came in that I knew. And instead of them greeting the person as they normally do, started to, then the person started to talk to them about me. So then they said, he usually comes to me, but he's over there doing whatever he does because he ain't loyal. And then this person joins in on the conversation. I'm sitting there like, Lord, today I praise you. God, you are a wonder to my soul. I mean, they just kept going on, just kept. I mean, have, you ever, have you ever had anybody just keep just? So I was just, I was cool until I wasn't. So when I got my business finished, I got up. I tried my best to walk out the door. That's what I should have did. I tried to walk out the door. But I just felt like I needed to say something. This is my story, ain't y'all? This is mine. Felt like I needed to say something. So I turned to the person. I greeted the person who joined in the conversation. I ignored that. But the person who started it, I said, look, you know, we maybe was joking, banter, or whatever, it's cool. But you don't know how to stop. So I thought that they, that we ended. No, he started again. I said, listen, I'm older than you. And you're a little immature. You're young. I did the older car, and he kept going. Before I knew it, my tongue changed. Isaiah, I'm telling you, I was no longer, camera, I'm sorry, I'm telling you, I was no longer speaking in tongues. Words came out of which I cannot say right now on this microphone. I'm sorry to tell you, your pastor, I had a moment. I know some of y'all don't like pastors confessing truth. Sorry, Chrissy. Most of y'all think that all I do is pray all day. I love it when people ask me, what do you do exactly? People think that all I do is pray and write sermons and messages and respond to emails and visit the sick and the shut-in. But this particular day, I clapped back. And I didn't, and I'm, Juana, you know me, I don't clap back. I would have clapped back on you years ago. I don't clap back. That's not my personality. But if you push me against the wall enough, eventually I will bite back. And please know that in this particular thing, I would have normally just ignored it. And they know, and the bad thing is in that particular establishment, everybody knows me as the pastor. So everybody was like. And it was in the town of which I live. And I have another appointment this week. So I walked out of there feeling good first that I said, so I can call Mel. I said, let me tell you what happened tell you what I did. Because that's her, that's her personality, not mine. Not in a bad way. She don't clap back, but, but <laughs> she don't clap back. But y'all know Mel Mel. Y'all know Lady Mel. But Mel Mel from Northside, Bryan Station, she don't, she, yeah, she's a defender today, leader tomorrow. She don't, she don't just, you know, she don't go over. She's going to tell you about yourself. Me, I pray for you. I just look at you. Darius talks about all the time. He said, Daniel, you don't say nothing, but you be looking at people. Well, I'll say stuff. That's me. And I used to get in trouble all that time. But this day, I felt that I needed to say something. But after I said, don't say amen, Caesar. After I said it, after I said it, though, I'll get to the word, Christmas. After I said it, though, I walked away. And I mean, then, you know, then I was convicted by it. Because I said, you should have walked out the door and not said anything. But I was like, but if they wouldn't have been pushing me, 
they would not have kept pushing me, I would have never said anything. He said, I never told you to say anything. You didn't have to say a word. Now, I talked to the person later on that day, and they said it was just joking or whatever, and I, you know, we talked or whatever, and it was cool. But even with that, days later, I kept thinking about it. It's like I allowed my tamed ways to go to a wild way, just like that. And I don't know if there's anybody in this room who you live with the wild and the tame version of you every day. There's a part of you that if people keep pushing, they will see that you are not as tamed as you come off. That people see the Sunday version of you, but you don't know there is a wild person inside of me if you push me too far. I, maybe I've got the wrong church. I'm sorry. Maybe I should have been on the north side today. But the, so some of y'all, some of y'all are not even trying to be tamed. Some of y'all are listening to my little story right now, and y'all laughing like, that's all you said? Shoot, I can sit with you. I can, I can. <laughs> you ain't done nothing. I would have only said it. I would have choked them. I would have said, try Jesus, not me. I would have did all of that stuff. Y'all would have been cool. But for me, that was out of my character. So it might not be a lot to you, but for me and for what he's done in my life, I knew better. Me, not you. I knew better. And because of that, I had to ask the Lord, tame my ways. Ways of which I didn't think were still there, but that need to come under submission to you. Is there anybody here who identifies with that? That there are still some parts of me that still need to be under his word. So when I come to the scripture, that's the scripture found me that I was not looking for. And I looked at the scripture, and here it is that Paul starts out with this scripture. And when he starts out with this, he talks about, and he says to them, he says, here it is that he's talking about the remnant of Israel. He says, these are people who were not chosen. He used a word that he talks about. You go back when you read it, you get a chance to. He says, he's talking about the elect and the election. The elect were, he says, God, Jesus, excuse me, Jesus came for the elect. The elect are those people who were Jews by birth, meaning they were Jews without doing anything. Jesus himself was of the lineage of Abraham, and Jesus himself was a Jew, and Jesus himself, the scripture says that Jesus came to his own. That was the people that he came to. They were the elect. They were the ones. But what happened is the ones that he came for did not receive him. The people that he came for looked at him differently. The people that he came from did not believe that he was the one or the Messiah. So scripture says in first John, John, the first chapter, it says that he came unto his own and his own did not receive him. Uh, goes on in this particular chapter and it talks about how even Elijah thought that he was the only prophet because there was a showdown and that here it was that the prophets of Baal were coming against the prophet of God and coming against God and they were worshiping their gods and, and they were doing a showdown and they said whichever God is true let him be true and here it is Elijah said he got to a point that he felt like he was the only one worshiping the true God and God said to him he said don't ever think you're the only remnant remnant means small group don't ever think you're the only one who's true he said I have 7,000 prophets who have not bowed a knee to the prophet Baal. What I'm saying to you is today, for those of you who have this, is, this, this message is trying, is trying to get into your soul, there are many of you who think you're the only one trying to do right. You think 
you're the only one trying to live righteously. You think you're the only one trying not to clap back and the only one trying to change your ways. But I want to tell you, there are 7,000 other people that you've never met that are trying just as hard as you not to be what they used to be. Just because they're not in your circle don't mean they don't exist. Just because you don't talk to them don't mean they don't exist. Just because you haven't seen a good parent-child relationship doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Just because you've never seen a good marriage doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Just because you've never seen a good church or a good pastor or a good leadership or a good uh, whatever, whatever, put it whatever in the blank does not mean it doesn't exist because you've not seen it. Expose yourself to possibilities. Someone say possibilities. Just because I don't see it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Someone say that out loud. Just because I don't see it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Just because Growth Point wasn't here in 2014 didn't mean it wasn't coming in 2015. Just because your miracle's not here today doesn't mean it can't come tomorrow. God always has a plan. Someone holler out, he's got a plan. God always has a plan. So here it is. He goes on and it says a remnant to the elect. They were not, he said they came to the elect, but they didn't want to receive him. He says, but there were the election, which were the Jewish people by belief. Meaning they were not Jews necessarily just by birth only, but they also went from by birth only to believing as well. So they became believers, not just ones who were just in it, by not, not just in it, but they became believers as well. What that means is they weren't just satisfied with just having a birthright. <laughs> they wanted an inheritance. <laughs> so it says that they believed, and it says that because the elect did not get, get it, and they did not receive the message, God went to the election those who received him anyway and said, that's what I want. I want him. I want to thank God because I am a part of the election. I didn't just have a birthright. I wasn't just born into this thing. I chose him. <laughs> it was my choice. Is anybody else in the room who can lift your hand and say it was my choice? I, I chose him. It was my choice. And he goes on and Paul, now, and I'm trying to teach this the best way I can without hollering but I feel it's going to come at some point anyway, even though I try to resist it. Uh, but I find out that here it is, that he, he looks at them and he says, you are the chosen ones. He says, I'm looking at you. You're the chosen ones. You're the election. He says, and the reason that the elect, the ones that were, were, were birthed by Jews, did not receive him, Scripture says in verse 7, because they were blind. It says they saw the Savior but didn't see him. Meaning... They saw him, but did not receive him. And sometimes you can be in the same place where you can see the same thing that I see, but not believe it. They saw it, but did not believe it. And verse, then he goes on, and this is where we get to this text, and I'm almost through here. This is where we get to this text. Because he goes on, and he's grappling with this thing, and how these people uh, were, were the ones that were born into it, and the ones who received it, these two different groups of people. He goes on in the sense that, that these people were broken off, the, the, the elect, the, the people who were birthed into it, were born into it, they were broken off like a branch. Broken off like a branch. Someone say, broken off like a branch. They were broken off like a branch. He says, but even though they were broken off like a branch, 
though the, 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 the Jews that were birthed were by birthright were broken off, that he went on and he went to the Gentiles who were not even a part of the tree. He went over to the Gentiles who were not even a part of this system. He went over to them and took something that didn't belong and he grafted it with something that was already in place. Something that was not there, thank you, something that was not there, he took it and attached it to something that was already there. So what happens is, when I thank the Lord for a place for wild things, it's because even though he came for the Gentiles, even though he came for them, they didn't receive him, but he went over to the Gentiles, and the Gentiles were engrafted in, but in order for me to be engrafted in, even for, even for me to be a part of this thing, I still got to participate. Because I can be laying all over here and be fine, isolated. But when he has a plan for me and he picks me up out of my isolation and brings me over, the first thing is I have to be willing. Someone say willing. I have to be willing. I have to willingly participate with the graph. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm trying to make this make sense. That I was not a part of the original design of this plan. But his plan for me is that he saw me over here and still brought me in. He, what happens is, he says, he looked at this and said, y'all don't want to do right. That's fine, but I'm not going to waste my plan. I'm not going to waste my plan because you don't want to be a plan. I'm not going to waste my plan because you don't want to act right. He says, so if you don't want my love, I'll find someone who does. If you don't want my plan for your life, I'll find someone who does. And he grafted them in and brought them in, and they had to be willing, willing to participate in that, willing to get a part of that, willing to want to move. Some of us don't even like where we are, but we're not even willing to acknowledge I don't like where I am. Many of us don't like the season we're in. We don't like the way we operate. We don't like the things that we're seeing. But as a result of what we see, we still are not willing to allow him to pick us up and to move us from where we are to where we could be. But a part of the plan of God is you've got to be willing. I've got to be willing. It's not just something that happens without my part. Jesus did his part, but I've still got to do my part. How is it that someone comes to help you, but you fight the help? How is it that someone asks you how your day is going, and you say, I don't know, and have an attitude when someone was just trying to be there for you and being a friend? Don't fight the hand that's trying to help you. Jesus had a plan. They didn't receive the plan, but there's always a way. Scripture says over in the text, it says over in the Gospels, it says that there was a man who had a wedding, and he had invited, sent out invitations to the guests, wanted them to come to the particular banquet. It says they did not come. They did not show up. He says, send out another invitation. Send out another invitation, and they did not come. He said, go in the streets and find anybody that wants to come. 
He says, go on the streets and find anybody. I think y'all missed that. He did not say go to the temple. He didn't say go to the synagogue. He did not say go to the prayer service. He didn't say go find people that are at the welling wall. He said go in the streets. Go find people who don't even know how to dress. Go find people who don't even know who. Go find people who have never been invited and bring them here. And the people said, well, what if they don't have anything to wear? I will clothe them when they get here. And I want to know, is there anybody in the room? who thanks God for him dressing you because you couldn't dress yourself? Is there anybody that can look over your life and say, had he not found me in the street, had he not come exactly where I was, I would have never known there was a tree. I would have never even known there was a plan, but thank him for finding me where I was. Can we just have a praise break real quick and thank him for finding me where I was? So it goes on and says they had to be willing. But lest I stay there too long, Caesar, because sometimes I stay on my porch too long. He says that if you're not just going to be willing, he says because God has a place for wild things, willing things, but they've got to be willing. What do you got to be willing? Because you also have to ignore. What am I ignoring? Thank you, Mr. Arlisa, for asking me. I'm ignoring my wild ways. I'm ignoring my tendencies. I have to ignore my urges. Maybe I'm preaching to the wrong people. I've got to ignore my proclivities to stay where I am. I've got to ignore my desire to stay wild. Because if he brought me in, he brought me in because there was more to me than being where I was. If he brought me in, there was more to me than just being there. So he brought me in. My job is to ignore. Now, some of you say, and I've heard us say, and I say it's you, I mean all of us. Many of us say things like this. If God didn't want me to have it, he would take it from me. If God wanted me delivered from it, then he would snatch it from me. Well, brothers and sisters, friends, nephews and cousins, sometimes deliverance does happen like that. Sometimes deliverance is one decision at a time. Y'all miss it? Say it one more time. Sometimes it does get snatched away. Sometimes deliverance is one decision at a time. I decided I'm not doing that right now. I haven't made the decision for the entire day because it's just 9 a.m. I have not gone to work just yet, or I have not seen him just yet, or I have not seen her just yet, or I have not gotten to work, or I have not had a meeting yet. It's not 3 o'clock around the time I normally see them, but right now at 9 a.m., I'm deciding that that's not for me. Lord, at 12 o'clock, I'll come back and I'll talk to you again. Lord, at 3 o'clock, I'll come to you and talk again. Ooh, I smell that cologne. Lord, I'm back again. I know it's 3.05, but God, I need you right now because I don't want to be that no more. So I'm going to ignore the fact that I thought that Sunday was good enough for me. God, Sunday is not enough. I need you right now because when I would do good, evil is always present with me. So God, I've got to ignore the evil that I don't want to do that I always wind up doing. Lord, help me. Somebody say, help me. I got to ignore it because it doesn't mean it's not coming. Why do we pray the scripture? Deliver me from evil. Lead me not into temptation. 
because it's coming. Just look around someone through your mask and say, it's coming. Temptation is coming to everybody. I have to ignore it when it comes. Not only that, don't put myself in an environment that I allow it to grow. You can't be delivered from something where you keep placing the set, you keep setting the table for. Can't you get my words out? Y'all want to get delivered today. I can't, I can't grow. I can't move forward if I keep setting the table for stuff I keep entertaining. If I want to change, stop making a plate for it. Because whatever you feed grows. If you keep feeding it, it keeps coming back. Come here, dog. If you have a dog that you keep feeding, it comes back to you because it thinks you want to feed it. If you keep having dogs in your life, maybe it's because you keep feeding it. And when the plate gets set, it goes roar. And you keep saying, I don't know why I keep attracting dogs. You keep buying kibbles and bits. Or maybe you are the kibble and the bit. And maybe the dog thinks that it can nibble on you. So the reason you got so many bite marks on you is because you keep being the food instead of telling them the food ain't me. My Lord today, y'all need another pastor. I am not the one for y'all today. Jesus, I praise you. But here it is, you have to ignore. Someone say ignore. Ignore, and listen, listen, ignore you. It's not even anybody else. Ignore yourself. I wish y'all knew how y'all looking at me right now. I mean, I wish y'all knew. Y'all sound, y'all look like I looked a few days ago. Like y'all want to tell me about myself. So I'm ignore that you're looking at me like this. But I, listen, if there's a better way, if there's a better way, I don't know where the better way went. If there's a better way, I don't want to stay where I am. But I have to ignore my tendency to stay. A lot of us get stuck where he wants to move us from. <laughs> so if there's a place for wild things, there's a place for those that are willing, a place for those who ignore. But what am I ignoring? Thank you for asking. I have to ignore the lies. What are the lies? The lies are, and I'm almost through with this message, the lies are that I don't belong. The lies are that I'm not good enough. The lies are that I'm not like everybody else, so I don't belong here. So there is no plan for me. I'm not supposed to be here. I'm not good enough. If you knew me, you knew my ways, knew my tendency, knew who my mama was, knew all this stuff, you wouldn't want to be, you wouldn't want to deal with me, and that's a lie. Someone say it's a lie. And there are a lot of us, because of us being in church for years, we make other people feel bad because you don't act like I act. You missed something very important. Just because I've been in a thing doesn't mean I am the thing I'm in. There are a lot of people who have been in the building, but the building has not been in you. So we who know how to front, we who know how to talk a certain way, have a way of making other people feel guilty and feel bad because you were just picked up and you just got here and you haven't been here as long as the rest of us. 
But the reason that many of us start being judgmental is because we, were, we forgot that we were picked up too. We forgot that if it had not been for his grace, that I would have been stayed or would have stayed or died where I was, but he picked me up. Someone say he picked me up. So he goes on, he says, the branches were broken off so that you might be grafted in. That's true. He said they were broken off because they believed, but stand fast through faith. Do not become proud, but fear. That's the lie. He says, not only do you not need to believe the lie that you don't belong, but here's the part that I might lose y'all on, but don't believe the lie that you didn't have to do it. Don't believe the lie that you're better than the people who are not there. Ooh, I'm sorry. Don't believe the lie that you're better than the people who are not connected. Because things were broke, people were broken off. He said the Jews were broken off. He said, and now you're in. But don't start judging people who are not there. Don't start judging people who are not where they used to be or where they should be. He said, because you were you were brought in against your nature. I'm trying to teach this thing. I know you're not hollering because I want to teach it to you. I want you to get it. That you were not even supposed to be here, but he brought you in. So don't you dare get to the point that you forget that on your birth certificate it says adopted. On your birth certificate, you got a stepdaddy. That you are not a part of this thing if it had not been for his blood. If it had not been for him bringing you in. If it had not been for his grace. If it had not been. And please know, adoption is not a bad thing. Don't you ever get to the point that you say, because I was adopted, I'm not as just family like the rest of them. Oh, no, no, no. Because when the inheritance is divided, I get a piece too because I'm a part of the family. He says to him, he says, these people, he said, don't you get so proud and start to look at other people and put your nose down at other people. He said, because just like I brought you in, just like I cut them off, I can cut you off too. He said, instead of you being proudful or prideful, this is a place for you to thank God for grace. This is the moment that you thank God that he brought you in and that he gave you a place and that he gave you a spot for you to grow and to be a part of the family because he could have left you where he found you. And I say that for you from a pastor's standpoint. There are a lot of people who get broken off. A lot of people who stop praying. A lot of people who stop attending. A lot of people who are not in it like they used to be. Their fire is not blazing like it used to blaze. And now some of you have passed them. In the pandemic, there have been lots of people who have not come back to fellowship together with the saints. But you have. But us being in the building does not make us better than someone sitting on the couch. Us in this building, for those people who are staring at me but are not changing because of the word, are not better than the people who are at home who are cooking while listening. Or the people who said, I don't want to come right now because I'm not, I don't feel safe. Even though they went to the club, but they don't feel safe on Sunday. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. I digressed. I'll be back. I'll be back. My bad. I'll be back. I'm back. I'm back. 
and no mask. I'm bad. Even though they don't feel safe to come here, we're no better. And I want to say that to many of us who want to make other people feel bad because you know more than them. Just because you got delivered and stayed delivered does not mean you're better than anybody else. It is by grace we have been saved. Someone said grace. Someone said it again, grace. It is only the grace of God that I have what I have. Only grace. Only grace. I should never boast. Do you know how many churches closed down in the pandemic? Do you know, have you ran, how many pastors have committed suicide in the last few years? Have you read of the people who got burned out and don't want to serve anymore? But I'm looking at myself still on fire, looking at myself still excited, looking at myself still excited to serve people. It is only his grace. It is not because of anything that I've done. It's not because I'm better than anybody else. It is not that our church is better than anybody else. But grace is on us. And because of grace, I give him glory. Can we give God praise for grace? <laughs> only grace. Someone holler out, only grace. Only grace. He said, I wasn't even a part of this, but grace. I wasn't even a part of this plan, but grace. Wasn't even on the mind, but grace. He waiting, and this is this is important part. I'm almost through here. This is important because it goes on, and he says, "I don't want you to become prideful, Juwanda. I don't want you to become prideful because even though they're cut off, if they believe, they can be brought back to their natural place. They're cut off, but if they believe, they can always come back home." He said, they, "They're not where they need to be right now." But if somewhere in their life they start believing, they can always come back to this spot. Now, this is the scripture that we sometimes often misquote, and we say, God is not slack concerning his promise. And we think that means according to his plan for me. No, no, no. It goes on and says, concerning his promise towards those who don't believe. But he is long-suffering. He is patient. He is willing that none should perish. But all should come to repentance. What that means is, don't sleep on me just because I'm not where you're at right now. What that means is, don't sleep on people because they're not speaking in tongues right now. What that means is, don't sleep on people because they're not reading their Bible right now. Don't sleep on people because they're just sitting in the pew and they're not lifting their hands. Don't sleep on them just yet. Because if by chance they believe, they can be grafted back in. Can we thank God for a patient God? One who is willing to wait. One who sits there and waits. And maybe that means nothing to you, but I want to thank God right now for the times he's waited on me. I want to thank God right now for the times that he has patiently waited on me. Waited on me to get it together. Waited on me to change my mind. Waited on me to change my ways. Waited on me to change my habits. Waited on me to change my decisions. Waited on me to change my walk. Waited on me to change my talk. Is there anybody in the room who says, I thank God for him waiting on me? I would have clapped back had he not waited on me. I would have done things had he not waited on me. But he was patient with me. He did not judge me while I was changing. He did not judge me while I was going through. He did not judge me while I was being transformed. But he was patient with me. Somebody say he's a patient God. 
That's what you got to praise God for in these last and Rona days, to be able to get to the point where you praise God for his patience. Because if it had not been for his patience, I would not be where I am. Do you know how long it takes for something? Look at something else fell off. Do you know how many people fall off and never come back? Something else fell off. Do you know how many things and how many people you look around and you look at yourself and you see yourself still holding on? It reminds me of a song we used to sing. There were many who started out with me, but now they're gone astray. But I'm still holding on to his hand. Can you just look around to some people and say, I'm still holding on? Doesn't mean I'm perfect, but I'm holding on. Doesn't mean I got everything together, but I'm holding on. Doesn't mean I don't have it all right, but I'm holding on. Doesn't mean I live right all the time, but I'm holding on. Sometimes I even forget to pray, but I'm still holding on. If the only thing I got is a hold on, I'm going to praise God for my hold on. Somebody open your mouth and say, thank God for letting me hold on. Could have slipped away, but I held on. Could have thrown the towel, but I held on. Could have walked out, but I held on. Could have lost my mind, but I held on. Could have ran out, could have, but I held on. I could have committed suicide, but I held on. It's not that I didn't have a plan to do it, but when I thought I was going to do it, I found a reason to live. Somebody say, he held on to me. Other people fell off, but I'm still here. Other people decided it wasn't worth it, but I'm still here. I've been to many initial sermons, but half the initial sermons I went to, they're still not preaching no more. But look at me, 21 years later, still preaching the gospel because I believe this thing. Why do I believe it? Because I was a wild thing. I was a wild thing. I shouldn't even be on the tree, but he had a plan for my life. Don't have time to be arrogant or proudful. Someone asked me, I was talking to my brother Guillaume the other day, and I have an invitation. I'm preaching somewhere in, uh, in, somewhere in October. Can't tell you where it is because y'all will come. But I'm going somewhere in October and preaching there. And uh, he told me when I go there, I know he meant well, and I'm, I'm going to mess up his story, but it's my story here and here. And I, he was telling me, he said, when you get there, you got to put on your good outfit. You got to put on, because, you know, Guillaume likes to dress. You know how he is. He said, you got to put on your good outfit and put on your good suit. I said, the devil is a liar. He said, well, brother, you know, when you go certain places, you got to put on your good clothes. I said, they invited me. I didn't ask to come. Now, for some of y'all, they don't mean anything to you. You're just like, well, what's wrong with putting on the suit? It ain't about the suit. It's about the change that he made in me. I'm not called to suits and hat wearers. I've been there and done it. I'm called to people in the street. I'm called to people who got, got tattoos all on their arm. I'm called to people who got hats in church. I'm talking about men. I ain't talking about the women. I'm called to them. Have I shouted with the sanctified? Yes, I will shout with the sanctified. But I'm not called to that. I'm called to people who are ready for change. See how quiet it got in the Lord's church? Because you, well, the reason that people are quiet is because many people don't know yourself. And when you don't know yourself, you change according to the room you're in. So according to your invitation, you change because you want to be them. If they don't like me, I still got a church when I get back. I still got a place because I'm not looking for invitations. I'm not looking for engagements. 
I've already done that. That was in my 20s. In my 40s, if they want me, good. But if you don't want me, don't waste my time. Because there are some people who are, excuse me, there are some people who are tired of being disconnected. There's some people that are tired of being over here, and they need somebody to tell them if he's got to reach way down, Jesus will pick you up, and he will put you where you need to be. So am I going to wear my suit when I get there? Y'all got the answer, right? No. I might wear a T-shirt that says I thought about wearing a suit. And on the back of it, it say, but I changed my mind. Ah! Is it the suit? No, it's not that. The reason that God changed me from that is because what happened was when I used to preach, it used to be about the outfit and not about the message. So I couldn't preach right because I was so busy looking and looking right and how I looked and that was more important than change. But that's not what this is about. In this time and in this era, it's not about what I got on. It's about what's coming out of my mouth. Scripture says that life and death are in the power of the what? Say it again. What are you saying? Not what you're wearing. Not what you look like. I'm not saying there's anything wrong. Now, please know, I love to wear a good outfit. I ain't saying that. But I'm saying if it hinders me, if it hinders me from my assignment, I don't want to be hindered in this season. If I got to get down on the floor and make somebody's deliver, if I got to get down on the floor and roll around with somebody until change come off of them, I don't want my suit to get in the way. I want to be able to get down on the floor and say, come out, demon. Come out. Come out. Whatever it is you think you got a grip. I want to make sure that nothing has a grip on God's people. All right, let me get out of that. So last thing, you got to be willing. You got to ignore. You got to make sure that you ignore lies. And lastly, he says, because what happens is, lastly, and I'm through here. Lastly, he says, because even these people, if they come back, he says they're going to come back. Because the last thing is you got to, you got to make sure you discover, someone discover. You got to discover God's love. What is God's love? That he's patient. That he's not willing that any should perish, but that he's patient. You got to discover God's love. Someone say discover his love. God doesn't love you because you change. God loves you until you change. God doesn't love you because you change. He loves you until you change. Someone say, I'm changing. Say it again, I'm changing. And while you're changing, he loves you through it. While you're changing, he loves you through it. While you're being developed, he loves you in it. He's not waiting for you to get it together. He loves you while you're still a wild thing. I'm through. I'm finished. Because a place, because this is where serious is belong. And I've been thinking about belong. When that message found me, it says, it's a place for wild things. And Caesar, I was thinking about that, and I said, Everybody who comes here and says, you know, I love Growth Point because it lets me be who I am and I, I, I don't have to do this and I don't have to do that and I love, I love being here. And Lord told me, he said, explain that more because people get twisted and you think because we don't require a certain look or we don't require you to dress a certain way, uh, we don't have all these rules, legalism, or all that type of stuff, that that means there's no change. 
this scripture right here says that he's talking about grace and conversion. That even though I came in a wild thing, he doesn't keep me where he, where I, where he found me. That there's a change that happens in my life over time. Allow the word to come into me. Allow the word to wash over me. Allowing and hearing and sitting on the word, a change starts to come into my life. So what is a wild thing? What is a wild thing? A wild thing is someone who is willing, willing to ignore the lies and discover God's love. When you say growth point is a place for wild things, it's a place for people who are willing to ignore the lie. What's the lie? That I'm denied by God. What's the lie? That I don't belong here. What's the lie? That he doesn't love me. No, I discovered his plan for my life. There was a conversion that happened. There was a change that happened in my life. There was something that happened. Is there anybody in the room who can say change has happened in my life? There's, there's a change. Matter of fact, not only a change in my life, I'm still changing. I'm still changing. So the other day when I got convicted by that, I wasn't convicted because I, I was better than I was convicted because he reminded me that if you're not careful, you can revert back to your wild ways. If you don't keep bringing that thing before me, if you don't keep getting before me, all of us can revert back to what we were and who we were. But thank God that he's so patient. He's so long-suffering. I've already scheduled my next appointment this week. Am I going to go down there with my head held down? No. I might get there and say, I'm sorry, I'm just a wild thing. Pray for me. Sometimes what I mean to say doesn't come out. Sometimes I respond in ways I don't mean to respond. Sometimes I let, I let what shouldn't get to me get to me. But I'm bringing my wild things to God. I want to know, is there anybody else in the room who said, I'm still working on some wild things? Is there anybody else? I don't know. Just, I mean, I, maybe it's just me. I, thank you all for raising your hand. I mean, there's some, some things. I'm sorry. I know y'all love Pastor Mario, but let me tell y'all something. Mario, he ain't nothing nice. Pastor Mario, he's saved. Mario, he's still being saved. See how much y'all just judge me? There's a difference between Pastor Mario and Mario. Yeah, Jacob and jo Jacob and Israel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's something that I've got to constantly wrestle with to bring what he calls me into what I am. It's a constant, constant battle. But God loves wild things. That's what I was going to call the message. God loves wild things. He loves wild things. We just look around to a few people. Just tell about three people around you. God loves wild things. Just God loves wild things. Yeah. Yeah. So for anybody in the room who you judge yourself, this is what this message was about. For anybody in this room, you judge yourself because you still got wild ways. You still got things that haven't changed, things that haven't been converted. I want to tell you something. Um, according to Romans 8 and verse 1. Romans 8 verse 1 says this, there is therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, to those who walk not after the wild things, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. If you want to change your wild things, I'm going to do this real quick. For those of you who want to change your wild ways, put on Christ. 
dress in him. We sing the song, to be found in him, not uh, dressed not in me, but in his righteousness, faultless to stand before the throne. On Christ, the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. If there's anybody in the room, everybody who's watching, everybody who's streaming right now, I want to pray for everyone right now who said, hey, I'm bringing my wild things for God, before God. Will you be bold? I testify to y'all, but if there's anybody in the room who will be bold enough to say, hey, that message was for me. I've got, I got some wild things I'm working on. Will you stand to your feet all over the room? Anybody says, I got some wild things. Thank you. Thank you. I want to make sure I wasn't the only wild person. Thank you, wild people. Thank you. Thank you. We got a wild church. Thank you, Lord. Half the church is standing up. Thank you, Lord, for the wild people you brought here. <laughs> Somebody holler out, but I'm bringing my wild thing to God. Some holler it out. I'm bringing my wild thing to God. Say it again. God, you can have my wild thing. Father, in the name of Jesus, everybody who's watching, everyone who's in this room, Father, we got some wild things we're working on. Lord, we do. <laughs> we, we sometimes feel like we're a mess because of all this stuff, because of all of our ways. But, Lord, we found in your word that you still have a plan for wild things, that you'll still, you have grafted us in. Thank you for bringing me in. Lord, you brought me in wild, but Lord, I thank you that you're going to change me and make me holy. <laughs> brought me in wild, but I thank you that you're making me righteous. Brought me in wild, but thank you, Lord, that you're renewing my mind, renewing, renewing my strength, renewing my prayer life. Lord, I pray, Lord, as David prayed, Father, create in us a clean heart. Father, renew the right spirit within us. Father, take not your Holy Spirit away from us. Father, when I would do good and evil tries to creep up, Father, let me choose good and not evil. When I want to say something, Father, close my mouth. When I want to text back things I shouldn't text, Father, help me to respond and just say, okay. Father, help me to put my fist down and put my knees in place. Father, help me with my wild ways. You are the God of glory. You are the King of Lord, the Lord of angel armies. Father, we praise you. We glorify you. In Jesus' name. Now, everybody, loose those wild hands. Give God a wild praise. <laughs> come on. Come on. Give God a wild praise. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on. Give him a wild praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Look around the room at the people that are standing with you. Look around the room. You're not alone. Look around the room. Look around the room. Go ahead. Y'all looking at me. Look around the room. You're not by yourself. There's other people working on some wild things. But we're going to come out. We're going to come out. We're going to come out. All right, you may be seated. Thank you, live streaming. I'll see you same time, same place next week. If any of you all who are here. Before we log off, I want to thank you for tuning in. Thank you for your partnership and your contributions that help us to reach people who so desperately need it. Now, it doesn't have to stop here. Make sure you're connected and that you're subscribed to every outlet. So if you need family prayer or anything, we can get what you need to grow to you. Have a great week. Know that we are praying for you. And as always, remember, 